15 through 25. So I just want to invite you to open up your Bibles or pull out the old phone and let's go to Romans chapter 4. And uh, again, verses 16 through 25, those are the verses I'm going to read for you. And it's from those verses that we, uh, this morning's message comes. So, Romans chapter 4, verses 16 until the end of the chapter. You can also follow along here on the screen if you don't have a copy of God's Word. But we begin in verse 16, and here's what it says. Therefore, the promise comes by faith, so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring, not only to those who are of the law, but also of those who are of the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God, in whom we believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed, and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. He did not waver, though unbelief, uh, he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words that was credited to him was written not for him alone, but also for us, to whom God will credit righteousness, for us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Well, this morning's message is entitled, What is Faith? Okay, what is faith? Three schoolboys were asked to write their definition of faith. Here's what they wrote. Um, one wrote, faith is taking hold of God. The second wrote, faith is holding on to God. And the third wrote, faith is not letting go. Now, each schoolboy was right in their definition. Now, the question, what is faith, is an important question to answer. And here are a couple of reasons why an understanding of faith is very important, is essential for you. Uh, first of all, look with me at verse 16 there in chapter 4, Romans chapter 4, verse 16. And here's what we read. Therefore, the promise comes by faith. You see that? The promise comes by faith. We'll talk about that a little bit more. So in other words, God's promises become a reality in our life when we exercise faith in God. Okay? So the promises, the promises that are communicated in Scripture, they become a reality. They become activated in our life, and they're activated because we exercise faith. Faith. So we're talking about faith. What is faith? Uh, here's another reason why we need to understand what faith is. Uh, if you consider Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, 
And here's what it says. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Okay? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. We are learning, based on verse 6 there of Hebrews chapter 11, we're learning that God receives and he finds pleasure when we exercise our faith. Okay? So God finds pleasure when you trust him. That's faith. Trust him. Rely on him. So that's why those particular passages, you know, articulate for us why it is important for us to understand what faith is. So here's a definition. Let's talk about a definition of faith. And uh, as I talk about faith, uh, understand faith is a pretty deep, pretty broad topic to really, you know, bring into simplified form. But I'm going to do my best to bring it kind of, kind of simplified. And so as we talk about and define faith here, I'm going to bring two aspects to faith. There is an intellectual aspect of faith, and then there is the trusting dimension of faith. Okay? So we're going to define faith, that there's an intellectual element to it, and then there's also just the trusting and relying aspect of faith. So let's look at that as we define faith. What is faith? So what is this intellectual aspect of faith, this intellectual ascent? Well, the intellectual aspect of your faith is that, yes, we believe that it's true. We believe it's true. Now, the atheists and others will argue that you as a Christian, uh, you are exercising a blind faith, they say. And what they are meaning is this. They say you cannot, your faith cannot be substantiated. Okay? There, there's, no, there's no nuts and bolts to your faith. There's no meat to your faith. And that can't be substantiated. And the reason they say that is because no one has ever seen God. Okay, that's what they argue. No one has see, seen God, so how can you believe he exists? Now, Romans has a response to that question. Let's go to chapter 1 of Romans and look at verse 20. And here's what it says. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. So Romans chapter 1 here is telling us that our faith is not blind or our faith has no substance. Rather, the Bible tells us that when we lift up our eyes and we consider and bring in creation, what God has done, that itself is testimony to the existence of God, and that's important. And I shared this with the kids. The earth is located at the right distance from the sun, and uh, we know the temperature swings that we encounter where it's 30 below one day, and then it's 120 degrees the next, it seems like. So we understand these uh, temperature fluctuations. Now, if the earth were any further away from the sun than what it is right now, we would all freeze. And if we were any closer to the sun than we are right now, if we're any closer, all of us would burn up. So even a fractional variance, you know, in the earth's position would make life impossible here on earth. So who thought all that up? Who, who put the earth in the right place? OK? 
okay? Well, Romans says, hey, if you will look at God, at creation of the world, you'll see God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and his divine nature. And because of that, we're without excuse. So our faith does have substance. There is some nuts and bolts to our faith. It's just not empty. It's just not in vain. It's not, okay, it's not blind. So that's just from creation. Also, there's some more evidence here. Okay, we're having some building blocks here. We're laying a foundation regarding our faith. Also, there's biblical evidence that provides the validity to our faith. Okay? And so when we look at Scripture, we find validity to our faith. For in our Scripture, the guys, the men that wrote what we have in our possession, they were eyewitnesses. Okay? So they're not just you know, taking a shot in the dark and just writing something down, hoping it's going to come true. No, these guys have actually seen the Lord Jesus Christ. Look with me at 1 John chapter 1. Remember, they are eyewitnesses. In 1 John, we have these words. He's, he writes, that which was from the beginning, and he says this about the, the authors and so forth, which we have heard, okay, which we have seen with our own eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched, this we, we proclaim concerning the word of life. These guys who took the time to write scripture for us, they've been there. They saw Jesus. Okay? They heard him speak. And I often think of Thomas. Thomas says, you know, I'm not going to believe that Jesus is alive. Remember that story? They're in the upper room, the doors are closed, and the disciples said, yes, we saw Jesus. Thomas says, ah, I'm not going to believe you guys until I can actually touch the scars in his hands and put my hand on his side where he received the spear. And what happened? Jesus shows up. He says, Thomas, touch me. Feel my scars. Put your hand on my side. Thomas says, my Lord and my God. So what we have before us has been authenticated because they have seen it, they have heard it, and they have touched the Lord. So faith is rooted in substance. Remember, we're defining faith, and faith has an intellectual dimension to it. There are some concrete things out there that verify and confirm what we believe. So that accusation that faith is blind is incorrect. The intricate features of creation point to a designer. And the biblical, biblical author's firsthand encounter with Jesus Christ all adds substance to our faith. So that's the intellectual dimension. Okay? There are nuts and bolts. There are some concrete things that we can rest upon when it comes to our faith. But remember, there's another dimension to faith. Not only is there the intellectual aspect, there's also what we call the trust component. Trust is reliance on the facts. So faith has substance, okay? There is proof for our faith. And the faith becomes active when we, re, when we rely on those facts. Now here in Romans chapter 4, we have an example of a man who does that very thing. He offers intellectual assent in his faith, but he also uh, puts forth the trust. And so we're going to look at his example, and that is Abraham. That's in Romans chapter 4. Abraham is our illustration of faith. 
So we're defining what is faith. Well, let's look at Abraham and see what we glean from his life. Let's look at his story. Now, Abraham told God, or excuse me, God told Abraham, uh, God told Abraham that he would be the father of many nations, all right? In other words, what that really means is he says to Abraham, God says this to Abraham, Abraham, you're going to have children, okay? You're going to have kids, and, uh, and your kids are going to grow up and get married, and they're going to have kids, okay? Uh, there's going to be many descendants. That's what God told Abraham. Now, there's a problem here when it comes to that story. And it's, we are told a little bit about that here in chapter 4. And here's the problem. Abraham is old, okay? And Sarah is very old. How are you guys going to have kids, okay? Look at verse 19. Here's what it says. Without weakening in his faith, Abraham, he faced the fact that his body was good as dead, all right? so old it's just not even working anymore anybody there you know what we're talking about it's right and since he and he was about a hundred years old okay god says abraham you're gonna have a kid okay and and sarah's womb it goes on to tell us there in verse 19 that her womb was also dead so she she can't have kids well it's obvious again from scripture that they're not going to have children however abraham believes god's word and look at verse 21 Verse 21 reports that Abraham was fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he promised. Okay. So we're defining what faith is. There's an intellectual aspect to it. There's also the trusting aspect to our faith. Um, and we see this being illustrated in Abraham's life. Look at Abraham. Here we go. Uh, notice the intellectual aspect of Abraham's faith. So here's the intellectual. First, Abraham believes God has power. Okay, this God, he's powerful. That's his intellectual um, part. Uh, not only that, the second aspect is he believes God is faithful. In other words, God doesn't lie. God is going to do what he says he's going to do. Those, those are the intellectual things, conclusions, that, that Abraham has come to. Well, God has told him he's going to do. Um, so what is the result then? So he's trusting in that. So what is the result of Abraham's faith? Well, number one, he received the promise. And what was the promise? God gave him a son. Okay. Uh, two, uh, when he exercised his faith, it pleased God. Remember, it's impossible to please God without faith. Well, he exercised faith, and that brought pleasure to God. So he pleased God. And lastly, we've been talking about this, especially last week. Joseph, you know, shared it with us and stuff. Because of Abraham's faith in, in what God was going to do, God says, that is a righteous man. So righteousness was credited to his account, okay? Why? Well, again, because of faith, because of his faith. So, uh, his, this uh, illustration of Abraham can, continues on. Let's go a little bit further. Now, God did get, indeed give him a son. However, God challenges Abraham to sacrifice his son. Now, I doubt that you or I could do what God is asking Abraham to do. Can you imagine that? Try to put yourself in his shoes. If 
Finally, he receives the promise. He receives a young man, a young boy. Um, and God says, well, I want you now to offer him as a sacrifice. <clears throat> Tough. Well, what does Abraham do? Abraham goes ahead, and he's going to sacrifice um, Isaac. He's going to take his life. Why? Why is he doing this? Well, he's because he's persuaded that God is going to keep his word. Remember, we're talking about faith. He's persuaded that God's going to keep his word. Now, listen to how Hebrews uh, shares that part of the story. We're in Hebrews 11, um, beginning in verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had received the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that, you, that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned, now here's his faith kicking in, Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead, and figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. So we see his faith in action. Again, the intellectual dimension is kicking in here. Uh, one, he knows God is all-powerful. Okay, remember, our faith has substance. It has some, some building blocks on which we stand. And one of those is the power of God. God can do anything. He's all-powerful. And secondly, another intellectual aspect for, for Abraham is that God always keeps his promises. God never falters on his word. What he says, he does. And Abraham knows that. That is some of the concrete uh, building blocks of his faith. And therefore, he trusts. He completely trusts. He's thinking, okay, God, you're asking me to sacrifice my son. You're asking me to take his life. Well, I'm going to do it. Because, one, I know you're all-powerful. And you're going to keep your word. And as Hebrews 11 says, he was thinking, okay, well, if I take the life of my son, God's going to resurrect him. He's going to bring him back to life. That's how, that's how uh, powerful his faith was. You know, he, he was just convinced and persuaded. And so uh, as a result of Abraham's faith, okay, one, he received the promise. God gave him Isaac. Uh, secondly, Abraham pleased God. Uh, God found pleasure, remember, Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And then lastly, Abraham was declared righteous. And we read that in chapter 4, verse 3. Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. So we're talking about faith. What is faith? And we're get, when we get a good picture of Abraham, he knows some things about God, some concrete building blocks. He knows some things about God. God is all-powerful. Um, God always keeps his word. And therefore, he trusts in those concrete uh, building blocks. And when he trusts in that, he's able to do uh, some amazing things. Now, here's what's pretty awesome. What was true for Abraham is also true for you. As you exercise your faith in Jesus Christ, you receive God's promises. Remember, when we started here in chapter 4, reading verse 16, it says, therefore, the promise comes by faith. Remember, faith is important because it's through our faith that we receive the promises. Well, in this morning's context here in chapter 4, 
the particular promise, now we could apply it to all the promises of Scripture. Uh, we, you know, we're gonna, it needs our faith for these promises to become a reality in our life. We need to exercise our faith in them. Uh, but here in this context of chapter 4, the particular promise that God is offering is that of salvation, where we can spend eternity with Him. That's what's being offered. So you receive salvation or you're saved as you, Im- as you implement, first of all, your intellectual assent. Remember, there's that intellectual part. Like Abraham, we believe or you believe that God is all-powerful, right? That's part of your building blocks. God is all-powerful. And second of all, part of your faith, a building block, is God always keeps his word. He never reneges on his word. What he says he's going to do, he does. So those are your building blocks. And therefore, you have complete trust in him. Now, moving away from that intellectual ascent, you move to trust. You rely completely on what God has stated. You embrace his words with confidence. And that is faith. You move from, okay, this is what I know about God, to resting and relying in God and saying, I embrace what you said. So when you exercise your faith, here's what happens to you. You receive God's promise. You please God. Remember, without faith it's impossible to please God. And lastly, you are declared righteous. So because of your faith. Chris, you're declared righteous because of your faith. Because of your faith, you know. Mike, you're declared righteous because of your faith. Again, what is faith? It's through faith that we receive our promises. Well, faith is built on some concrete things. We do have building blocks. One, God is all-powerful. God is faithful. And because of those simple, simple building blocks, we can then rely and rest and trust in what God has done, knowing that he's going to bring it about. It's all on him now. He's going to bring it about, and that's faith. So let's talk about application. What are we supposed to do here? Well, here's the first application I want to share with you. Your faith is only good as the object of your faith. Your faith is only as good as what you are trusting in. So if you are trusting in a rabbit's foot, okay, that is the depth and dimension of your faith. Okay, your faith is only good, as good as the object of your faith. Now, if your faith is you're trusting in your abilities, okay, then that's how good your faith is going to be, your abilities. So faith is only as good as your object of faith. So that should always challenge us. Okay, what am I trusting in? What am I resting in? If I'm going to trust this rabbit foot to get me out of this mess, then I'm doomed, right? So that's number one. Number two, if you struggle in your faith, ask God for help. Ask God for help. I'm thinking of the story in Mark chapter 9 where uh, the disciples went out and they were trying to help this father. His son was uh, possessed by a demon and therefore he was, uh, uh, the, the demon would take a hold of him and he would go into convulsions, okay? Fall on the ground and, and uh, you know, kind of drool at the mouth and so forth. I mean, this is what's taking place. And the disciples weren't able to help him for some reason. 
And so this father comes to Jesus. Jesus, can you help my son? And he says, you know, are you able? Can you help my son? You know, is, is it possible to help him? And Jesus says, is it possible? Well, with God, all things are possible, he says. And then the father says, you know what? I do believe, but help my unbelief, okay? I do believe, but ah, help my unbelief. And I love that story because I think each one of us is there sometimes, aren't we? God, I believe it. I believe you're all-powerful. Lord, I believe that you're going to keep your word. But for some reason today, this morning, this afternoon, or whatever, man, I am wrestling. And like this father, we say, God, help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. So if you struggle, ask for his, un- for his uh, help in that. And then lastly, you know, God has provided a way for forgiveness of your sins. Um, God has provided a way where you can be right with him. He, he's got a way to restore uh, your broken relationship with him. He's got a, got a way. Um, and... Uh, and, that, and that's a promise, remember? That's a promise. And we were back again to that verse there, uh, verse 16. It's the, it's, the promise comes by faith. And, and here's the promise I'm talking about, and that's eternal life. Okay? Each of us has that wonderful opportunity to have eternal life. And what is it based on? It's based on the promise, first of all. God says, I have done everything that is needed for you to be right with God and have forgiveness of sin. And of course, the story is, Jesus went to the cross, he died, he was buried, and he came back to life. And he now lives. That was part of the plan. And God says, the promise is, everyone who will believe in that work that Jesus has done, by faith, remember, promise comes through faith, Everyone who will believe in that work, what Jesus has done, by faith will receive eternal life. That's a wonderful gift. And so when we wrap it up, you know, again, what are you trusting in to get you to heaven? Remember, the, your faith is only as good as the object. Well, we know pretty much the rabbit foot's not going to work. But it's amazing how we convince ourselves that, hey, my goodness my good works. Those, that, that works, we think. We convince ourselves of that. But God has made it clear it's not by works so that we, cannot, so we can't boast. But it comes through faith. The promise comes through faith. Have you placed your faith in Jesus Christ? If not, do so. Talk to me. Talk to somebody. And we'd love to just kind of walk you through that where, again, it's your faith in what God can do that brings you salvation. Let's pray. God, once again, thank you so much for um, just the opportunity to talk a little bit about faith. Lord, we're not saying we have all the answers, but this we do know. You're powerful, and you keep your word. And based on those building blocks, Lord, we come to you and we rest and we rely on you. Our complete reliance is on you because you said it. And Lord, because of that, we're saved. Because of that, we're declared righteous. Again, not because of what we've done, not the good deeds or whatever it may be, but because we're trusting in what you have said.
and that brings pleasure to you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.